welcome to another exciting episode of Real Estate Steps. I am your host, Nick Dimitropoulos, where we talk all things real estate. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Real Estate Steps podcast. I have uh, with me uh, Fallon Vallejo. We have worked together for a while now. She is the branch manager and escrow officer at Orange Coast Title right here in Fair Oaks, California. How are you, Fallon? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Nick, for the introduction and for having me on your podcast today. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it very much. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things. A lot of people that are buying and selling homes don't really understand the function of what an escrow company does here. I'm going to center this microphone here <laughs> of, of what the uh, escrow company does. And uh, I just want to educate people. This is an educational podcast. Um, and so every every day, you know, there's things going on with the buying and selling of homes. And, uh, you know, I get the questions, people go, well, why do I need an escrow company? Why am I paying these fees? You know, these, these title fees and the escrow fees. Um, and I like to explain it like, listen, the escrow company, they are the third party guys that make sure that when a real estate transaction happens, it's, it's legitimate, it's accurate. And at the end of the day, everybody gets their money. Okay, now I've simplified yeah. it, but please go into that a little more. That's it in a nutshell. I mean, uh, there uh, we get the same questions too, and and I love that um, you're doing the education to the consumers and the buyers and the sellers out there because I think it's so important. So the title and escrow, there's so much to it. Um, we are a neutral third party to a real estate transaction, so that's on refinances, resale for residential, commercial, uh, even I've. I've worked with mobile homes, bulk sales of a business. There's lots of different parts um, to what title and escrow does, but um, I'm going to focus first a little bit on the escrow portion and then also the title, because here in Northern California, we're all typically one in the same title and right. escrow is with one person and your escrow officer is who you're going to be dealing with here in the Northern California area. And I know Southern California, which is like a whole nother beast, they have separate escrow companies, and then they have a title company. So there are a little bit of differences within the state, but um, up here, we perform the duties of title and escrow, and we are a neutral third party to a real estate transaction. So what that means is we're going to um, remain neutral. We don't have an opinion. We're here to represent the instructions and the contract and the terms that are provided and to make sure that there is a whole complete transaction uh, in order to transfer the, the property to the parties um, in the transaction without any issues as far as liens and things like that. So, um, you know, we facilitate handling the money. We make sure that all money comes in the form of good funds, which is, you know, what the seller ultimately wants is that money. <laughs> make right, sure right. it's the green money and there's no issues. Uh, and then we'll we'll touch a little bit on, on that and funds and good funds law and all that a little bit down the line here. But um, and then from the title aspect, so you know, we we do an extensive search. So when a transaction is open, when you're refinancing, selling, and we get the the open order from the agents, um, we we perform a detailed search through all of the systems. I mean, there's multiple different facets that we go through to find out what is affecting our property, what liens, judgments, and there's 
tens of thousands that are filed on a daily basis in California. So it's really important um, for people to have title insurance because there's things that pop up, you know, um, throughout a transaction even. And without those resources, without having that protection, you're not covered. You transfer title to somebody, you know, without going through a title and escrow company, you're taking the risk of there being something that affects title that you then ultimately would be responsible for. Um, so we do the, the detailed search for that and make sure that everything that does show up on a property gets uh, handled, addressed, and cleared before the ownership transfer takes place. Um, okay. So like so, there's old Uncle Bob somewhere that's got some sort of deed to the title of the home. You guys will dig that up. Right. And that's actually uh, a great example because there's a lot of people who do transfer titles without title insurance. You know, Uncle Bob signs it over to uh, his niece or nephew and down the line they go to sell the property. Well, OK, we open up title and let's say there's one, we're going to need a confirmation of conveyance, which is an affidavit that Uncle Bob's going to sign, acknowledging that he, in fact, did sign that document um, to those parties to ensure that there's no potential claim of anybody coming back. Aunt Susie saying, nope, that property was supposed to go to me, not them, anything like that. So that's what the affidavit will do. Um, in addition, let's say he transfers title and then there's all these tax liens, franchise tax board, IRS or whatever, all right. of that would pop and show up and we'd have to resolve that. Okay. What else? What else? Like, um, uh, things to do with, uh, you know, people owing uh, family support and stuff like that. Child oh yeah. Support. Um, child support. So we'll make sure we run all that through the system. So if liens like that come up, um, you know, there's a lot of people that do owe support. So that's not going to kill the deals. A lot of people go, oh my gosh, there's a support link. Now what? Well, it's fine. And um, we get a, a, a current demand from them to make sure everything's paid current. If it's not, then we pay whatever the demand is that the child support department or support department says is due. And then they send us a release that releases and relinquishes any right in that property. So the buyer gets it free and clear. Um, same thing, uh, IRS is a little bit more tricky. So if you're dealing with any IRS liens, um, they take a little bit more time, especially now during this pandemic that we're going through. Uh, the IRS was already hard to get a hold of. So now it's a little bit more challenging. And we have to get the the direct um, the owner's involvement in that when there is an IRS lien to get the releases because it's it's a little bit different. They send it to the county directly, but they'll send escrow documentation showing that they are releasing that tax liability and the property. And then franchise tax board, they're pretty simple. You, you know, the requests go over and then they send us the demanded release and so forth. So, um, and, and another common thing that you'll see on preliminary title reports is utility liens. And that I think is, um, you know, if somebody doesn't pay a bill or a lot of times there's past due ones, I'll see properties that come with multiple, the county utility department send the lien release to the homeowner. And then a lot of times they just don't get recorded because I think people don't understand that those documents, the lien release and the termination actually needs to be then sent to the recorder's office to record. Uh, and then we take care of all that through the closing when those things do pop up. What other liens? Um, uh, like, for instance, someone does work on your home. Okay. And you yes, haven't paid. Yep. Uh, we do see that too. We come across that where mechanics lean. So those have a certain time frame, a time limit and so forth. Um, but if there does happen to be a mechanics lien on a property for work not done, 
uh, we go back, we get the demand, we have to get a lien release. Uh, if it's gone through, and if you if this pops up, we can work through those issues because um, every scenario can be different. So if the amount is due, it's a valid lien and we've acknowledged that, then we go through the steps of getting the demand, getting the mechanics lien released so that we can issue an, the clear title to the owner and make sure that all the work is done. Now, they probably, a lot of times when there are mechanics liens, we then send out an inspection to make sure things are, you know, the property is still standing and it's good and it's not in midst construction. Um, not to say that you can't close on a transaction that is in mid-construction. I think Orange Coast is one of the few that will. We've got some requirements and flexibility um, working with indemnities and different um, excess risk underwriting approval that we can handle those types of transactions as well. But, um, you know, when you see those things pop up, it's something that definitely needs to be addressed at the beginning in case it's a little bit more complicated to, to resolve. Okay. Who else can put a lien on your property? Can you do civil? Well, anybody can go down to the county and record anything. Really? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, they, they really will take anything to record. Um, I would say, you know, the most common, you've got HOA liens. They, uh, they can record against the right. property, things like that. Uh, we then deal with that and get demands. Um, from those companies, you've got, uh, if you notices of default or another matter that you see, which is really the lender stating they're going to foreclose on the property. Right. right. Um, what about I mean, civil lawsuits? You know, someone's suing you for something. Oh, uh, Liz pendants. So sometimes, okay. yes. Uh, if you're in litigation, that's a big one. And that one can be a little bit more time consuming. Um, I've had quite a bit of experience. I've had some weird, funky transactions as well with that, um, where when you do have a pending action going on, it's called a Liz pendants. They record it against the property and you, um, you really can't do anything with that property until that's resolved. So what title, uh, how is it resolved and what do you guys do? So there either needs to be the withdrawal of the action, meaning that they've, you know, withdrawn whatever pending action they've filed against that person and the property gets withdrawn with the court. And then we get a copy of that withdrawal uh, and it, the certified copy would record with our closing, which allows us to proceed with closing. Or if there is pending action and this litigation is going on and on and on and it's just not quite done yet, the courts can issue an order that allows the sale of a property to go through um, and that certified order would be recorded as well with our closing if, in fact, that was something that was approved by the courts in order to, you know, help with whatever that litigation may be. Um, again, can't give legal advice, but right, right. in a scenario like that, that's that's typically what happens. So so anyone can basically place, a, a, if, if they're suing you, they could place a, a list pendants on your property. Is that right? Well, I mean... Technically, they could, but they'd be going through an attorney. So I don't know that everyone would necessarily, okay. anyone right. would just do that. But because um, typically an attorney is the one that would be recording that for their person, for their, their client with okay. the court. So this brings up the question. I'm glad you brought it up because something else just popped into my head. Trusts. Yep. And what do yep. they do? So trusts, uh, well... Again, I can't give legal advice, but right. when properties are held in a trust, um, you've got the, the let's say, you know, John Smith 
trustee of the John Smith Family Trust. So he owns the his trust owns the property. I mean, you would see that on the vesting when you get your preliminary title report when you've opened the transaction. So that what title needs at that point is um, we have to review. We we ask for a trust certification to ensure that that person is in fact the acting trustee to sign and authorize on behalf of the trust. Now, if John Smith is deceased, then we need to see the entire copy of the trust to see who the successor trustee is. Mm. And at that point, then an affidavit death of trustee records with our closing along with the certified death certificate. And that then puts the successor trustee in a position to be able to sign on behalf of the trust. Um, another thing that is important to keep in mind with trust. And I see this a lot, especially with sellers um, that, you know, haven't sold multiple properties. They've got their property in a trust and they go to sell their proceeds have to be paid to the trust because that's who owns the property. And, you know, in our escrow instructions, we put all of that in there, but a lot of times people aren't familiar with that, you know, knowing their proceeds have to be paid to the trust. Um, so we help educate and let them know that, you know, prior to closing, you've got to set up an account in the name of the trust. It's fairly simple. You typically just take your trust cert into your bank and let them know that you've got a transaction or you need to set up an account for that so that proceeds can either be wired or check cut and you go deposit that money. Um, but that's kind of the role a trust plays. Uh, and it does help protect the property in regards to if something happens to you, uh, rather than go through probate, um, which is a whole nother can of worms. We could probably right. do a whole other podcast on it. Uh, and maybe it, we will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it helps protect the property from having to go through probate because it, it would just pass directly to the successor trustees. So that's really what your trust does is it protects okay. your property to put, um, you know, what you want that property, what you want to do with it, you know, after you've passed, you want it to go to whoever else. So, so that it's, kind a good of thing. it's a good thing to have a trust. It is. I, I absolutely, in my opinion, I think so. I can't okay. give you advice on that, but yeah, <laughs> I'm neutral. <laughs> Let's uh, okay. Let's talk about and this is stuff I see all the time. But I I want you. You know, we talked about liens. Let's talk about the preliminary title report and and what okay. that is. Yeah. So in in all uh, quick, uh, I guess in a nutshell, a preliminary title report is a glimpse of what's on that property. It's just a snapshot, really. It tells you who owns the property. Um, who's going to be signing, who has the vested legal right to sell that property. And that's going to show on your um, vesting instructions there. And then it gives you the legal description, which is the actual physical description of the property uh, with the parcel number, shows if the property's in the city, the county, if it's unincorporated or not. And then it's going to give you a glimpse of the taxes, uh, easements, assessments, utilities, things that run on the property, uh, in addition to if you've got any wide green loans, um, that's another lien that can be on the property. I didn't mention that earlier, but those are the hero pace program loans that people are getting that roll into the tax bill. So that shows on a prelim as well as your homeowners associations. Uh, if there are any, you'll see that CCNRs and then, of course, your deeds of trust and then any other liens affecting the property judgments, um, tax liens, things like that. All of that will will list on there. And then there's lots of other good nighttime reading in a prelim that is more geared towards lenders with the types of policies, endorsements, and things like that that we issue. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. It also has, it also includes a plot map, right? Yes. You've got your plot map, which shows the actual little glimpse of what the property looks like, has measurements right. uh, that you need a micro, you know, yeah. microscope to look at. <laughs> yeah. Or do what I do. Just take a picture of it with your phone and then zoom yeah, in. Yeah. And zoom in. <laughs> uh, okay. Now what, what um, on the prelim, what would constitute a red flag if you see something? What would what would that be? Uh, so a couple of things. First, and when I do my prelims, and I know you're familiar with this, but other people listening have no idea. But you see when I send my prelim out, I've got a little glimpse. I do my review of the prelim, and I'll tell you what those red flags are. So you've got your vesting. And if there is any anyone that's done a deed or transferred property, you'll see there's a confirmation of conveyance. And that'll say in your vesting line, like here, subject to this exception, meaning we need to get that affidavit and that'll list in there. That's something that needs to be addressed prior to close of escrow. Um, you'll also see if there's default taxes and that's going to list on there. That's you know, not a red flag, but something to take into consideration and review and take a look at. And same with other liens. Um, if you've got your white green and your hero loans, a lot of times sellers don't realize when they've taken out these pro these loan programs that that money has to be paid back. I've had that happen a couple of times where they didn't realize that that money, um, even though it's part of the taxes, it still has to be paid through the closing to issue clear title to the buyer because the lender's not going to take that um, their loan in second position. They want to be in first, right. so that that lien would have to be addressed. Um, other things that we see is if you've got a deceased person um, on title, when I review the prelim, it's important to tell your escrow officer if you are dealing with an estate or different things of that nature, because we don't know. And if a prelim comes over with, you know, uh, John Smith and John Smith is passed, but we have no idea. Nobody tells us that you're dealing with, you know, Scott Smith. Right. Uh, and, you, you know, it's important also when you review your contracts and that's also what escrow does is looks at signatures and matches things that make sure that we've got the right people signing that own the property um but it's important to share all that and communicate all that information because if that is the case then you then and john smith is deceased then you'd need to go through probate to deal with his estate if nobody else is on title so i know that's kind of a lot of information there but no but that's uh, good that's good because uh, people need to be aware you know, what the function is and how important this is. Yeah, it is. And you don't realize it until you get that property that has all these red flags and all these things pop up and you're like, oh, holy cow, what am I dealing with here? And, you know, we can get there. That's one of the biggest things I always tell people is even when, you know, you've got a transaction and it's got all this stuff on there, we'll, we'll get there. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's figure out how we work through these issues um, because you can't just say, no, we're not going to handle it. We're not going to insure it. We're not going right. to do that. Right. You work through it. You figure it out. So, you know, if we can make it happen, we always try and find a way. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about red flags because here's a situation uh, that I'm, I'm going through right now is I'm representing the buyer, a woman going through a divorce. Okay. And uh, she's going to have to get her ex or soon to be ex to yes. sign off on this new property she's buying. Can you explain that? Why? Why should why why does he have to sign off on anything if he's not going to be on title to the to the home? Well, we we live in lovely California. <laughs> That's why. Uh California, um it's community property state and without getting into all that aspect of it, 
you have to have an interspousal deed. Lender requires it um, to eliminate your interest in the property, especially if she's going on, she's taking the loan out, title's going to be held in her name, but she's still married. Even though she's in the middle of a divorce, he still has to sign his interest out. So um, you're really not divorced until the final divorce decree is done. And that's why an interspousal deed has to be recorded to eliminate any interest that he could come back and say, this property is his and, and he's got an interest. So um, we see that, you know, quite a bit. And that's the same for, uh, you know, selling too, in some regards, because, um, and this might be a little bit, well, I don't know that there's such thing as too much information, but when you're buying a property, let's say you buy it all cash. Um, I've come across where a buyer is married and they take subject to community interest. For me, I encourage everyone at that time when you're buying, you get your interspousal deed signed um, or you vest the property in both names. If the, if you're wanting to take subject to that interest, put it in both names or, or don't and get the deed. Let's just do it right, get it done, but that doesn't always happen. And sometimes people are adamant. They just want to close escrow. Let's take it subject to community interest and fine. When you go to sell the property, that interspousal deed still has to be signed. So either way, you've got to get that deed executed to eliminate that interest, which could pose a potential claim um, of interest on a property. Interesting. You know, and I think I've asked, I actually emailed you this question um, same kind of situation, but now the wife, they're getting a divorce. She owns the home they live in outright. And, uh, you know, he's not on title. Okay. Uh, right. it's just in her name. Could she sell the house without his permission? If she acquired the property prior to being married, uh, as a married woman, that, no, she nope, didn't. I would say he's got to sign the, an interspousal deed. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. Yep. You see, this is this yep. is important stuff. This is questions I have sometimes, and I go, "Well, why?" It doesn't sound fair, but you're right. There's certain you can come laws back and say half that money's his. Why'd you send it to her? You knew she was married. That money's mine. <laughs> it all comes down to that green money. So you know, you touched <laughs> on it: ownership and vesting. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Well, tell, tell um, me about married couples in California. <laughs> what do you want to know? I don't know if I'm the person to give you that advice. <laughs> as far as owning real estate and, and how uh, I know there's community property. Uh, so, so explain that a little bit. Yes. So there are, um, there's multiple ways to hold title uh, in California and you're either going to be, you know, husband and wife, wife and husband, um, husband and husband, wife and wife. All of that is, is, is an option. And then it's, between how you want the most common ways as joint tenants, um, which is one when or if one person passes the property, you just record an affidavit of death of joint tenancy property passes on to the other one. The other one is community property, which gets into the laws and different things of community interest, uh, which I can't give advice on. So I've got a little vesting sheet when people do ask me the questions right. that I send out that clarifies exactly what the vesting options really entail, because I can't tell you how to vest. Um, but those are the different options. Your community property with a uh, right of survivorship, which is the same, similar as joint tenancy, where if one person passes, you can record an affidavit and the property passes to the other person with your community interest. Um, 
and then you've got like the trusts and different things like that. And uh, trying to think of other, it's really, those are the main, main ways uh, when you've got multiple people going on title, let's say there's, you know, a mom and dad, and then right. their, their son and, and daughter-in-law going on title. You, you need to make sure you identify the vesting between the two couples. And then if they're going on as joint tenants or as tenants in common, and again, there's different facets as to which one you'd want to do. And you definitely would want to talk to a tax person to give you the advice that works best for, for your scenario. Um, but again, and all title companies have that information sheet to go over and hand out right, right. if you do have questions. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. and what you'll do uh, is I'm going to attach that. You're going to send me a copy of that and I'll yeah. attach that uh, to our website. If people are, in, are interested, uh, they can go ahead and get that as long as, as well as your contact information. Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay. One, one more thing. I've, I've been seeing this um, quite a lot lately and you hear about it in the news, wire fraud. Now, specifically uh, concerning escrow, because at the end of the day, when, when the transaction closes, the money, the, the main money, okay, the, the actual purchase of the home, it's all done by wire. It's all wired. So it, yep. talk about that a little bit. Oh, it's huge. These, these people, these hackers, they are good. They're wow. really good. They um, they can, can infiltrate and cyber fraud is huge. You really, you know, you see movies on it and you think, oh, wow, really? Is that really going on? It's really going on. Wow. And it's really scary. It's rampant. It is industry wide across the entire globe. Um, it's a huge deal. So that's why you see on, I think, pretty much everyone's signature line and on their wire instructions, don't wire anything without calling your escrow officer and confirming the instructions are in fact accurate and correct. And the biggest thing, and most of the time, I think now um, most companies, at least here in California, everything is sent secure um, for wire instructions. You'll see, I get million phone calls. How do I open this secure email? I can't open it, you know, that kind of stuff, but it's really for your protection. And I know people get frustrated, but everything gets sent secure to help prevent that hacker from getting in and changing the wire instructions. They're good. They will make it look like it came from the escrow officer. They'll make it look like it's the same escrow account. And then they just tweak a couple of numbers and it's gone. Wow. And I, I actually have an experience um, on a transaction. And thankfully, because I had expressed this um, throughout the very beginning of the transaction, uh, the wire fraud issue and concern, this gentleman forwarded the email that he received and it was totally encrypted and it, it had been hacked. My instructions had been changed. And, you know, thankfully we had educated the buyer because his money could have been in jeopardy had he not called and sent that information and verified it. No um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I've heard other companies, you know, that have experienced issues the same. And, you know, once that money's gone, it's hard to track down um, and get it back. So uh, it's just super important to verify your instructions. That's all I can say is make sure you call. It's just a phone call. I know it's a pain and people say, oh, we're so busy. We don't have the time or, oh, no, you know, the email the was secure and let's we're good. Just call. Yeah, I wouldn't sure. want to lose my money. A thousand dollars, ten 
thousand dollars, five hundred thousand. No way. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so, and and you hear about that uh, how you know you hear in the news, and I don't know if this is just yeah. companies trying to sell some service that's really not required. Uh, you hear about how how there's fraud and hackers are get, getting in to actually changing title, changing uh, you know a, a, the, the title of a person, and then they yes. start they act as the owners and they start yes. uh, pulling money on on that home, uh, refinancing the home, pulling equity out of the home. Does that really happen? It does. Actually, um, I had another <laughs> another transaction where uh, they had to go to court, the seller, the owner of the property. You see it a lot with um, entities, corporations, LLCs, okay. Okay. like that, because they will go in, they'll just start filing new documents or they'll say they're that managing member of that entity. Oh. And that's why we require, and you'll see it as an exception on your prelim. Um, and I point it out and spell it out when we need those documents, but you have to review, you have to check with the secretary of state, look up signatures, things like that. And it, it's scary because um, this particular, and I've seen it in, in a couple different, different ways, they go act as they're the LLC, the entity managing member, try and sell properties. Um, and they're free and clear. So once you go through escrow, if you go to somebody and you sell and transfer the property, and then you've got a owner that comes back two or three yeah. months later and says, I never sold that property. What are you talking about? That wasn't me. Here's my information. Here's this. So it does happen. Um, in my particular scenario, um, without you know sharing too much, what ended up needing to happen was getting a court order from the courts stating that that deed was invalid and it was not a valid deed. Uh, and that order recorded with our closing to allow us to proceed and transfer when the owners actually did uh, end up selling the property. Okay. So, I mean, again, crazy scenario, but it does happen and it's, it's insane. Would, the, would a trust, you said it's mostly uh, like LLCs and, and corporations. Uh, so I'm thinking it's it's mostly investors that are, are targeted by these people. I would say so. Yes, um, I see where you're going kind of with the trust thing. I think yeah. you could see it with that as well with people coming in saying they're the trustee or they're an acting now an acting trustee. I haven't personally experienced that uh, on any of my transactions, but I mean, that's never say never. You know, but it's, it's I, interesting because I was going to ask, would a trust protect you from that? But you're saying even that could be hacked. Well, I think if someone could come in and identity fraud is, is oh. huge. I think someone, that's why you've got to be careful. And that's all ultimately why title companies, escrow companies, why we ask for copies of your trust, copies of your trust search, copies of the, the, you hear that? You hear the rumble? <laughs> yeah. We're having a thunderstorm here. Yeah. We're getting hot, man. <laughs> uh, the, it, that's why we ask for those things. So we can match up and see signatures. So we can see, you know, what really is um, the instructions and the intent of that corporation and trust so that we know that, that it's in fact real. Fascinating. Interesting. Anything else you want to add? We're, we're going to wrap it up. And I know that I said, you know, originally I said 20 minutes, we're past 30. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, I know you, you guys are swamped right now, aren't you? You're very busy. <laughs> it's insane. 
it is really, I mean, I'm blessed. I think we all are to have such a, a busy market, but um, it's, it's hard, especially when you're trying to provide that excellent service. Uh, but, you know, everyone's out there. I'm doing my best and I think everyone else is. And if you've got any questions, I'm always here to help. How do they get hold of you, Fallon? Uh, you can call or email me. Uh, I'm at Orange Coast Title. My phone number, 916-965-6490. And you can ask to speak with myself uh, or anyone on my team. And we're always here to help and assist uh, with any questions that you may have. Okay. And we're also going to include that information in our, on our website, folks. Uh, fantastic. Fallon, thank you for coming. I know you're so busy. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming on board and talking of about course. this stuff. This no is, problem. It was a pleasure. Awesome. I am grateful for the opportunity and I love working with you and thank you uh, for helping educate people out there. Yeah. And you know, we're going to do this again. We're going to, the next thing we're going to talk about, you mentioned it, uh, is going to be probates. Awesome. I'm <laughs> <Okay>. ready. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for uh, another uh, adventure, I call them. And uh, we will get back again and have another one soon. So everyone have a great day. Thank you, Fallon.